This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Uh, this is Dr. Sean Benzinger here again with uh, Amy Baker, and we're glad to have you tune in with us again today. And um, today we are continuing our conversation with a new author, um, and in this case, starting into an area that we have not discussed before. Yes, this on will be good. A podcast before and is a very important, mostly with um, so many things going on with. Um, kidney problems, uh, chronic diseases, and uh, the interrelationship of them. And we're here today with the, the specialist who wrote The Doctor's Kidney Diets, A Nutritional Guide to Management and Slowing the prog- Progression of Chronic Kidney Disease by Dr. Mandeep Kang. Dr. Kang, thank you for joining us. Well, it's a pleasure to be on your uh, podcast. Wonderful, wonderful. So we kind of chatted about uh, just quickly, and I think it's important, so we'll kind of recover that a little bit, is why you stepped into a book like this in your specialty, what kind of led you to think, you know, we, we need to know this, it will make a difference in our patients. Yes, um, uh, you know, when I was uh, training in my um, specialty in uh, kidney diseases, I was um, uh, uh, amazed to learn that many of our patients did not know uh, the foods that they should have been avoiding all along to help with the slowing down of the uh, uh, progression of the kidney disease. And uh, many of them were eating um, processed foods, um, uh, some foods that were loaded with potassium, phosphorus, sodium, and other preservatives that caused further damage to the kidney. So I decided that I wanted to learn more about nutrition and how it affects uh, our kidney patients and uh, specifically if it helps to slow down the progression of the kidney disease. And I uh, started collecting all articles. Uh, uh, There were not that many available back in the 90s when I was uh, training. Um, And uh, since then, um, uh, I I have been... um, uh, you know, researching um, the role of uh, diet in um, helping our kidney patients. And I finally decided to um, uh, review my notes and um, uh, start writing a book to um, uh, see how we can help our patients uh, slow down the progression of kidney disease. Okay, so let's get some of the basics out of the way. The most important thing is what does the kidney do? Um, and kind of explain some of those processes and then the top three diseases, and then we've got kind of a basis of communication and your nutritional wherewithal. Okay. The primary function of the kidneys um, is to remove waste materials, toxins, excessive fluid, and minerals from the body. And kidneys clean the unneeded chemicals from our blood and help regulate blood pressure, and produce hormones that are important for the production of vitamin D as well as anemia. Okay. Kidneys also uh, help to balance body fluids by either holding onto the water or by releasing excess water in the urine. Sodium also helps to regulate body fluids and the kidneys respond to changes in sodium level by releasing sodium in the urine or holding onto the sodium. And there are some hormones uh, such as antidiuretic hormone, renin, that act on the kidneys 
to help with salt and water uh, metabolism. So our kidneys are the primary organ that helps to regulate electrolyte balance in the body. And uh, kidneys also uh, regulate our uh, blood pressure by filtering and excreting excess water and sodium, for example. You know, if your blood pressure drops, the kidneys hold on to more sodium, which is salt, and water to bring your blood pressure up. Mm. And another very important function of the kidneys is to regulate the acid-base balance in our body to maintain the pH of the body. Kidneys will excrete excess acid in the urine and hold on to a base such as bicarbonate so that our pH can be maintained. So as you can see, you know, uh, our kidneys perform many different vital functions on the body. 100%. And, um, and you were talking about three kind of major diseases that are kind of are the top ones that we're concerned about that kind of led you into now how do I put a healthier diet and, and get the people to understand what's going on to help them with these conditions. What are the three top conditions? Yes, the, the, the three uh, main types of kidney disease that um, uh, we're concerned about, uh, and, uh, congenital kidney disease, um, uh, acute kidney injury, and chronic um, uh, kidney disease. So let's talk about you know, congenital kidney disease, which is a condition present at birth and accounts for many childhood uh, kidney diseases mm. and includes structural problems um, or blockage to the urinary flow, as well as maldeveloped kidneys or genetic conditions uh, such as polycystic kidney disease, which presents with multiple cysts, enlarged kidneys, um, and um, uh, leading to decrease in their kidney function. And these congenital diseases uh, have a lifelong effect. The second type of um, uh, kidney disease is called acute kidney injury. As um, uh, you can imagine, acute means that um, uh, patients have uh, decline in their kidney function that happens suddenly. And uh, kidneys are not able to filter waste materials from the blood and it can develop over hours to days and can be due to infections, low blood pressure, medications, surgery, um, contrast procedures, um, and sometimes the acute kidney injury will improve but can lead to chronic kidney disease as well. So the third type of uh, kidney disease called chronic kidney disease, which is a slow decline over months or years and is commonly due to diabetes, high blood pressure, and many other conditions. And um, usually chronic kidney disease is symptom-free early on okay. and uh, requires a healthy lifestyle and uh, multidisciplinary uh, team approach uh, for management. Okay, now uh, chronic is the most common, isn't that correct, overall? I mean, just... Chronic is the most common overall. Yes. Most common. So there, there's your biggest number. So maybe because we, um, we want to make sure we get as in-depth as we can into this. And let's just talk a little bit about uh, chronic kidney disease and, and some of those um, aspects. And maybe you can give us some of your personal aspirations of, of change and improvement in this area. Yes. Um, you know, as you know, about 37 million Americans are suffering with kidney disease and millions more at risk and they don't even know mm. uh, uh, that they have kidney disease and there are different stages of kidney disease um, you know you can go on from um, 
early to severe to end-stage kidney disease where patients end up on um, uh, dialysis or require a uh, kidney right. transplant. Right. So uh, living with kidney disease means this is going to be uh, a, a condition they have to deal with for the rest of their lives. And uh, many of the um, you know patients uh, have um, their daily lives affected and they start feeling uh, tired, fatigued, they may have trouble concentrating, muscle cramps as the kidney disease progress. And we even tend to see uncontrolled um, you know, blood pressure and headaches. And uh, these chronic symptoms can be managed as long as uh, you know, patients um, uh, follow a moderate protein intake, see their dietitian, and uh, learn about the basics of kidney diet, healthy eating, and uh, get their kidney functions checked on a uh, regular basis. So are there some primary causes of chronic kidney, kidney disease that we should be aware of, um, or ways that people yes. can then prevent it from even happening? Yes. Um, there, there are many uh, reasons why patients get kidney disease, but the commonest ones that we see in our practice are diabetes and high blood pressure. Uh, and, uh, you know, diabetes, uh, as you know, um, uh, is a, a condition that we're seeing more and more. Um, and is, and there's two types of diabetes. Uh, uh, we see type 1 diabetes, where, you know, where you have enough, uh, and there's a lot of sugar uh, around, but the insulin is not available and, um, and uh, you know, is not produced and the insulin and the sugar does not get absorbed. And the type 2 condition, uh, uh, di diabetes, uh, is where you have enough insulin around, but it cannot be used properly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, uh, the body is resistant to, um, uh, to insulin and the sugar levels will go up. And diabetes will damage the filtering units of the kidneys leading to uh, you know, build up of waste materials. And um, high blood pressure uh, is uh, the second common cause of um, uh, chronic kidney disease and occurs when the force of blood vessels against the walls of the um, um, uh, blood vessels is greater than normal. And this makes the heart work harder. And high blood pressure will also damage the tiny um, blood vessels of the kidneys called glomeruli, leading to um, buildup of uh, waste materials. Mm -hmm. And there's another uh, condition um, that I, I like the audience to be aware of. It's called glomerulonephritis. Nephritis basically means inflamed kidneys. And this can happen due to damage or scarring of the glomeruli of the kidneys. And this can occur on its own, um, or it can be due to some diseases uh, such as uh, lupus. And the inflammation, the inflammation leads to scarring and damage to the filtration function of the kidneys. That makes sense. I, I, I think that things uh, that often kind of coincide with it is the well-known uh, McDonald-itis and <laughs> the Taco Bell-itis of those types of foods that possibly you sounded like the whole purpose in this beginning of this book was the way people are eating today and taking care of themselves is causing a lot of kidney problems that really don't need to happen i mean that's i think that's the basis of what you're saying 
But is it yeah. the junk food that we're talking about? Is it the chemicals in the junk food? Is it the chemical exposure? Because, hey, we take more medications than we've ever taken in our lives. Our quality of our food is the worst it's ever been in our society. Um, are those some of the biggest things that you're saying, if we can get that together, at least we can push back the disease process? Definitely. I mean, um, we're seeing, you know, uh, many of the uh, uh, Americans uh, eating processed foods. Uh, they are eating fast foods, like you mentioned. Um, and these fast foods are devoid of um, minerals and vitamins yeah. that our body needs. So and you're saying they're, they're devoid of them, not too many of them. Yeah. Uh, well, devoid of the good ones that right. we need, okay, the good, good vitamins that we need, the good nutrients that the body needs. And it's loaded with salt, uh, you know, yep. saturated fat, um, sugars, that's causing uh, high obesity rates in the United States. And uh, obesity directly causes damage to the kidney. And obesity also causes diabetes and high blood pressure as well. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, you know, if patients are taking any me medications on a um, chronic basis, such as, you know, pain medications, um, anti-inflammatory medications, those can also lead to kidney disease too. Yeah, anti-inflammatories is a good question. I mean, you hear about that and you hear about antacids, uh, the newest research on antacids causing kidney disease. Is that true? Well, the, the ones that uh, uh, have come to light over the, over the last few years are um, class of medications such as, uh, you know, PPIs, these proton pump inhibitors uh, like Prilosec or Meprazole, you know, the purple pill that you see um, mm -hmm. being advertised on TV, and these do lead to chronic kidney damage. And we are telling all our patients um, uh, that they should not be on those medicines unless absolutely necessary, and many of them have been taking it for 10, 15, oh, yeah. 20 years, oh, yeah. many, many years. And, and they don't without know what it, to do. Without anybody telling them to stop it. <laughs> yep. I agree. So I want to go back and revisit the food conversation a little bit. I mean, mm -hmm. it seems like in recent years <clears throat> with the just overall more, I guess, interest or focus on, you know, what we're putting into our bodies, the food labels have become um, and how to read them have become more prominent. Um, but also, you know, even just going to like a fast food restaurant and seeing calorie intake or you can request you know, the ingredients and the nutrients from the menu items, which, of course, probably nobody ever actually does that. But um, I think in your book, you talk or, or offer some tips on kind of how to interpret a food label or how to understand, you know, what you might be putting in your body if you do happen to be not, you know, getting, you know, fresh, raw vegetables and fruits and things like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about what those some of those tips are and kind of how you look at... Um, kind of just in general, the measurement of foods and food ingredients that we should either be taking or avoiding? Yes. You know, when we're looking at food labels, there's um, uh, many pitfalls, and um, uh, we all should be uh, looking at um, labels to avoid, uh, you know, eating high-sodium foods, limiting the cholesterol, saturated fats, trans fats, and also look for added sugars, too. We all need to uh, mm. educate ourselves how to read these nutrition facts labels. Mm. And um, what patients should use is the percent daily value, um, you know, uh, and it's called percent DV column. Mm. 
-hmm. and those that are labeled like 5% DV or less is low in that mineral. And those that are labeled 20% DV, which is daily value or more, is high, for example, sodium. And they need to watch for these front labels that are used as marketing tools to lure people to buy the product. Mm -hmm. And the claims can be very misleading, you know, such as low carb, low fat, natural, uh, fruit flavored, zero trans fat, and these can be very um, uh, uh, misleading. The best way that patients can avoid being misled is for them to avoid processed foods altogether. And remember that sugar is listed under many names such as invert sugar, dextran, corn sweetener, maltose, cane sugar, and patients should start reading the fine prints, the ingredients. And uh, they should also uh, remember that if, some, if a food contains partially hydrogenated oil, it is the same as a trans fat. Right. So it's very, very important that we learn um, how to read uh, food labels accurately. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's, it's uh, interesting that you uh, point out also some of the content that we might see on the front of uh, packaging in the supermarket, right? Low, low carb or whatever. Um, I think some folks may believe, and, and maybe this is true, and and I and I don't even understand it, that we have either legislation or some sort of government regulation about when products can cl- make those claims. So, in other words, you know, if somebody if somebody puts on their food label that it is in fact a, a low carbohydrate product, that that actually equates to a healthy choice, as opposed to if it doesn't say that, it doesn't you know equate to a healthy choice. And I, I mean, my understanding is there's not a lot of um, clear understanding about when somebody claims that it's low carb or it's whatever that yep. that it is that it does in fact translate to. And this then is a food that should be, be okay, yeah, you know, be okay you, to right? eat yeah. um, if you know if you are in the in the packaged foods right. you know part of your diet, so to speak. Um, can you speak a little bit to whether there's true good guidelines, kind of regulations around that marketing language and what shows up? Um, uh, yeah. Well, th- I think the food industry um, uh, knows how to get around um, you know, some of these uh, 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 marketing guidelines. They're not you know, very uh, clear. Mm-hmm. If something is labeled, um, let's say, low fat, you know, for example, or... Um, uh, you know, uh, natural. It may be just certain percentage of that food may be natural, but they may be adding some other ingredients in there too. Mm, okay. So, uh, yeah, if a food is labeled low carb, for example, it doesn't mean that the food is low in salt or it's low in fat. So, if something says low fat, it's, it's the other way around too. It may be high in carbs or sodium. Right. So, some of these labels are like front labels and. Um, I think if patients kind of uh, go through the food and the, the nutrition facts label itself, read the ingredients, and then they can make a healthy choice themselves. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so we are not misled. Yeah. Well, and we've talked with other specialists on our podcast um, before about different types of diets, you know, paleo and just different types of ways of eating. Um, and I'm wondering specifically with like the chronic kidney diseases that you're describing, um, you know, I've heard some folks refer to following like a macrobiotic or plant-based type diet. 
I mean, is that something that you support with your patients or do you see a place for animal products or meats um, and protein, that sort of protein and balancing out the overall diet? Or, you know, do you kind of, is it per patient as, you know, as far as what might work best for them following a particular yeah, it, plan? Yeah, it, yeah, it depends what the um, what their dietary habits are. We have um, you know people that are vegetarians and um, uh, have kidney disease, and um, you know we um, you know work with them to come up with their dietary plan, and they uh, see a dietitian. And plant-based diet is is uh, you know such as vegetarian diet is very helpful in weight control, and does decrease the risk of progression of kidney disease and even kidney stones. And vegetarian and even vegan diet is compatible with managing someone with chronic kidney disease. Mm. And the diet should include soybeans, soy products, you know, such as tofu, lentils, beans, flaxseed oil. And these are considered high quality foods. And, um, but it should be followed under the guidance of a dietitian. And those that eat meat, you know, uh, I usually recommend moderate protein intake of chicken, fish, turkey, and avoid red meat altogether. Hmm. And also, you know, uh, avoid processed foods as well. So, th- so these diets, uh, you know, depending upon what you eat, can be used to create a balanced diet for our kidney patients. Mm-hmm. And just remember that you know some of these diets, like a vegetarian diet, may be high in potassium, which uh, uh, means that they will need to have frequent blood testing done uh, uh, in order to counsel them to decrease the potassium intake, or we may have to give them a medication to bring the potassium levels down to a normal range. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Dr. King, I'll tell you one of the things that rings a bell with me is that you've talked about some of the major inducers, diabetes, high blood pressure, and things like that. And to me, it now it just just brings home the idea that the kidney specialist usually comes in. The nephrologist is usually included after the destruction of the kidney is extensive, isn't it? Yes. um, I mean... um, Way down the line. Yeah, many times we, uh, you know, uh, see patients a little too late, uh, and uh, there is a test called uh, GFR, which is the glomerular filtration rate, and we are trying to educate all the primary care providers um, when to start sending, uh, you know, their patients to a nephrologist. So there are certain guidelines we are trying to give them mm-hmm. that uh, up to a certain point they may be able to manage them, but beyond uh, you know uh, that level of kidney function, which is usually around 45, you know, mm-hmm. kidney function or below, or if they have protein or blood in the urine, they should actually send the in the uh, patient to the and nephrologist for um, a full workup. I, I agree. It's it's not happening. I mean, it's barely happening. I'm, at least see some of the GPs starting to send in. At least you'll see the GFRs on a, a consistent blood test, and you start to see it. But I'm sitting here thinking, uh, to me, is if they have high blood pressure and they're already put on medications or they already are diabetic, the nephrologist should have had a cursory screen of them just to prevent this from happening in the first place, shouldn't they? Certainly, uh, you know, for all the diabetics um, and also, you know, uh, uh, you know, high blood pressure patients and the patients at risk, we tell them to do 
the urine test for uh, you know protein called right. uh, albumin, right? And uh, you know monitor that and uh, monitor their GFR, which is the filtration rate of the kidneys. And if there's any uh, abnormality, they certainly should send um, their patient to a nephrologist. Let me ask you just a few quick questions that I think um, now most people drink bottled water. Uh, instead of drinking water out of the tap, that's one thing. But years and years ago, we used to get our water sources from spring water or well water. That was that was pretty much it worldwide. Um, and those were rich in minerals, uh, trace minerals and trace elements. Do you do you believe that all the filtration and the types of water and the chemicals in the water and that's what we're trying to flush our kidneys with, has um, um, contributed to the lack of good minerals as well as healthy nutrients to be able to get in to help the kidneys stay healthy? Yeah, well, the water that we are getting, it depends what part of the uh, country you live in. You know, where we are in uh, Arizona, we get a lot of hard water. And um, these are, uh, uh, you know, our water here is um, uh, high in certain uh, you know, metals and right. chemicals. And um, uh, so for our kidney patients, it all, uh, you know, boils down to whether or not they're able to filter their water or have an RO system right. uh, or not right. to remove some of these, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, chemicals that could either be harmful to uh, to their body in the long run, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. But once we filtered out, an RO filters out almost everything, and we need some of those elements, correct? And we yeah. do. We and do. Yeah. How do we get for, those for... back in? And you're hoping that food does it, but now we we know from the research that the agriculture in 1934, 1960, and 2000 that the amounts of minerals in our food sources now are below 50 percent, almost across the board. And if you're looking at magnesium, it's at a 17 percent level of what it used to be. And there's the war is, what do you do? Um, what yeah. do you, how do you get yep. these people there? It's so difficult. And you're trying to just get them off junk food so at least they eat something that's got something healthy in it. Yeah, if they're eating a variety of uh, fruits and vegetables, you know, they, uh, you know, variety of colors, um, they should be able to, you know, get the, uh, you know, some of these nutrients that our body needs. So, they, you know, patients really need to start thinking about, eating healthier, fresher foods. You know, yeah. fresh food is the best. Yeah. And um, uh, unfortunately, um, majority of the patients that we see uh, uh, may not be, um, you know, eating uh, fresher foods, cooking at home, you know, healthier options. So we do recommend that, that they eat a variety of fruits, variety of vegetables, you know, food groups to get these minerals that the body needs. How about star fruit? I mean, I eat ten a day, and I'm uh, I'm a little upset about the star fruit. And uh, now, um, the only <laughs> I saw that it's kind of like, okay, are you saying once they have the condition, watch out for star fruit, or star fruit's kind of the no no for kidney health? Yeah, well, for most patients, you know, um, hmm. that have, have a healthy kidney function, normal kidney function. You know, you should be able to eat uh, star food, but, you know, mainly what I talk about is patients who have um, uh, kidney disease. Uh, the star food contains a neurotoxin called uh, caramboxin, huh. Huh. and this neurotoxin cannot be removed by a diseased kidney. 
Oh my. And the accumulation of this toxin can cause symptoms such as vomiting, confusion, anxiety, uh, seizures, and even death. So that's one reason why we say that you know star food should be avoided by our kidney patients. Yeah, totally. Are there other foods that are similar to that? All of a, su- all of a sudden, I mean, okay, I don't check. have a, I no don't have a chronic kidney dis- disease, but all of a sudden, I'm, <laughs> and I don't eat star fruit either, but okay. I'm curious if, you know, Yo. like my broccoli has <laughs> some issue or something. Yes. Well, there are some foods that do contain, you know, um, uh, like a large amount of oxalates, such as rhubarb leaves. Mm. Uh, and rhubarb these can also lead to kidney failure, too. So I would, you know, I highly recommend that kidney patients not consume any exotic foods, anything that they have not heard of, without consulting with a, either a kidney dietitian or their kidney specialist. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, I, I actually have. I, I mean, unfortunately, I, dietitians I think are starting to get there, and and I think the education in the United States is getting better. Uh, of them starting to drill down to some of these aspects. Your, your book is very uh, is replete. Uh, it's well covered. It's overdue. And so I'm really we're ecstatic that you allowed us to take the time to interview you today. Um, it, your I book would, needs to be, every nephrologist got to read your book now. I would say in every person. But yeah. one of the things that yeah. we didn't get, and we always run out of time on yeah, this podcast, but one of the things we didn't get to um, that I want to make sure that our listeners hear is that you do have over 50 recipes um, yep. in your book that can help regulate kidney health. And maybe a good way to kind of end our time with you is for you to share one or two of those recipes that you find that your patients really enjoy. Um, and then obviously folks can check out the book for just all the information we've covered today and more and those additional recipes. So are there a couple of uh, favorites uh, in terms yeah. of meals? Yes. I mean, um, uh, you know, some of the patients have come back and uh, they particularly liked, um, you know, some, uh, you know, we live in, uh, in Arizona here and they uh, have liked more uh, food that are a little spicy, like spicy mm-hmm. pasta. Uh, mm-hmm. They were like that and curried, um, uh, you know, chicken breast, um, uh, and uh, even um, uh, like tofu chili. Mm. So uh, it, it depends on personal taste uh, of, of the, um, you know, patients. Um, uh, those are the ones that do come to my mind. Uh, uh, but what patients have mentioned to me, the, re- the recipes that they have liked. Ah, oh, great. Now, now I want to go home and cook something. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Well, so for folks who want to get your book, I'm assuming they can get it on Amazon.com. Um, is that correct? Yes, they can get it at Amazon.com. They can get it at um, www.squareonepublishers.com, as well as Bonds and Noble, and wherever else uh, the books are sold. Okay. okay, and the name of the book, again, is The Doctor's Kidney Diets. And we hope, yep, we hope everybody goes and checks that out. Is there any other resource or website or anything that we need to let our listeners know about? Or yes, yes, um, you know, I tell all my patients, you know, when I'm educating them on the on the benefits of kidney diet, that they should visit kidney.org. That's the National Kidney Foundation website. Mm-hmm. And another one is American Association of Kidney Patients, AAKP.org. Okay. That's very helpful um, in terms of learning about um, the basics of kidney diet. And that they have some recipes there too. Ah, thank perfect. you so much. Thank you so much. That is fabulous, Dr. King. Thank you so much for being on today. We really appreciate okay. it, and we pray that this book uh, is distributed well and accomplishes its goal. And then we'll look for um, 
the doctor's kidney diet number two. Okay. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Have, Have a good day. day. Bye. Bye. Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Bensinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com. 